0: are crashing round you, when the fiery darts around you, when despair is all suffering comes along, and we still sing Him songs, that is when we bless the Father's heart. God wants to hear you sing when the waves are crashing round you, when the fiery darts surround you, when despair is all you see. Your voice when the wisest man has spoken and says your circumstance is as hopeless as can be. That's when God wants to hear you sing. God wants to hear you sing when the waves are crashing round you, when the fiery darts surround you despair is all you see. God wants to hear your voice when the wisest man has spoken and says your circumstances as hopeless as can be. That's when God wants to hear you sing.
1: Come on down, do that. I don't, maybe you don't have your seat around here somewhere. You don't have your suit jacket. That's all right. Come on up. It's all right. Just take your shorts off. Put your pants back on. <clears throat> all right. I just want to hear this song again. That was a good one this morning.
2: To do. And some men count on the times they prayed through. But when the battle's over and my last song is sung, I'll go home through the blood of my father's precious son. And it's still highest are in heaven to the depths of the sea. It is still the blood of Jesus that brings victory to me. And it's still the blood that stays from sin. And it's still the blood that cleanses within. From the highest are in heaven Depths of the sea, it is still the blood of Jesus that brings victory to me from the highest star in heaven to the depths of the sea. It is still the blood of Jesus that brings victory to me.
1: Amen. Still the blood, amen? All right. Nothing's going to change that, amen? Well, let's take our Bibles, turn over to the book of Mark, Mark chapter 14. As we said this morning, we're going to continue and finish out the message from this morning. And so uh, we never did finish it, so we're going to do that tonight. I am going to utilize that slide again, but, you know, it's, uh, we'll get that up there in just a moment, but um, I... um, I think we'll take just a moment and kind of read the scripture, we'll kind of catch up and uh, maybe summarize where we were, and then we'll move along and finish up this particular message, all right? So again, Mark chapter 14, we're going to begin reading in verse 18, we're reading the two verses there, just 18 and 19, and the Bible says, and as they sat and did eat, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, one of you which eateth with me shall betray me. They began to be sorrowful, to say unto him, one by one, is it I? And another said, is it I? Again, we began by kind of addressing that situation. There we have this, as we often refer to it as the Last Supper. And here's Jesus with his disciples. And I mean to tell you, he at this point gives them this unbelievable bit of information. Somebody, one of you, is going to betray me. And, of course, each and every one of them begins to say, Is it I? Is it I? And we said these were the ones that were closest to the Lord, closest to the Master. They had traveled with Him. They had fellowship with Him. They ate with Him. They slept with Him. They found themselves ministering together with Him. They'd seen the mighty hand of God working in and through the life of Jesus Christ. They themselves were, I mean, right there in the midst of the battle each and every day for three and a half years. And yet when Jesus says, one of you will betray me, every one of them begins to say, is it I? And we said what we learned then is that you either know that you'll betray him, because I believe Judas knew, at least at that point, or you should not be overly confident in your future allegiance, that it's important that we don't get overly confident, it's important that we don't. Just come to the conclusion that it'll never be me. I'll never betray you. Uh, Peter found out that that didn't work too well for him, did not he? He said these men were closer to the Lord probably than at least proximity-wise than we'll ever be. They were literally with him physically on earth uh, all day, every day together. And yet they, would, they were in a position where they said, is it I? And so we kind of used that as a springboard. And we said, hey, you know, I wonder, will any of us ever betray the Lord? Will any of us turn our backs on Him? Will any of us slip away from the Father or the faith anytime soon? And we said, we want to address the topic then, even on a Fourth of July weekend. How to avoid backsliding. How to avoid backsliding. We noted the principle. We talked about it from 1 from, uh, uh, Peter Uh, Let me double check that. For some reason in my mind, I've got to 2 Peter 1, verses 5-10. through I think it's 1 Peter, isn't it? And we noted that he says that we're to add to our faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance and to temperance patience and to patience godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness charity. We went on to talk about the fact that according to the passage, we are to consistently and continually add to our faith. We said that the believer is admonished to climb, to reach new heights in their walk and relationship with Christ. That our trajectory is to be upward. We're always to be making progress. We're always to be going forward. We're always to be headed higher. And so could I have the slide, please? If you get a chance, you can put that up there. We said, so basically the Christian has a trajectory and that trajectory has to be upward. It has to be always climbing, always going up, always Going forward, we said now that that is the principle, but we noted the problem. The problem is, is that so often in our Christian lives, we said that we are tempted to plateau. That at some point we are climbing, but then that ceases. We cease to climb. It's not like we've fallen into deep sin. It's not as though we've, we've in, embraced vice or any kind of immorality or maybe some uh, grotesque type of sin in our life. No, that's not the case necessarily. But we have ceased to grow. We've ceased to climb. We've ceased to go forward. We've stopped moving in the direction that God intended us to go and we've plateaued. And we define that plateau as backsliding. Because if we're not where we ought to be, then we have literally slipped or have backslidden. So we have to be growing in our trajectory, going forward, going up, climbing constantly. So we want to avoid those plateaus. We want to avoid anything that slows us down. We said that there's no coasting in the Christian life. I mean, the, the, we are faced with opposition daily. We are faced with a battle consistently and continually. We said, if you are pedaling a bicycle uphill, it's going to take a toll on you physically. You're going to have to exert some energy. You're going to have to put out. And we kind of come to the conclusion, and I made some statements to the effect that, how is it that as believers, we can be so comfortable in our Christianity Because if we were truly on the trajectory that God intended for us, it would be an uphill battle. The devil fighting us. The world fighting us. The culture fighting us. People facing us, seeking to try to somehow slow us down or thwart our efforts to follow and please the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a battle. We are soldiers. And the fact is, is that if we are truly on that trajectory, if we are climbing continually, we are striving, and we are going forward always, it will also take some real energy and effort. And it will not always be comfortable. And so we said, basically, the principle is to keep climbing, consistently, continually growing. The problem is, is that we'll plateau as believers, And sometimes we find ourselves failing to progress as we were intended to, and we end up behind, so to speak, not where we belong. And we define that as backsliding. To not be where God intends us to be in our Christian life and Christian journey is a state of backsliding or backsliddenness. And so, what's the prescription? I mean, how do we avoid backsliding? Well, we began by saying number one, add to your faith. Add to your faith. Again, continue to add, go forward, keep climbing, stay on course, develop qualities that are Christ like in character. Number two, we said avoid potential pitfalls. Avoid potential pitfalls. If you don't want to backslide, if you want to avoid that in your life, then you have to truly avoid potential pitfalls. I understand that in the Word of God we we see situations like Joseph and we see him fleeing from sin, we see him fleeing from temptation. But may I say that probably more effective than fleeing is avoiding How important is it that you and I stay as far away from the cliff as possible? We said that, you know, there's no shame in being cautious or careful with our testimonies. I mean, what's the advantage of exposing ourselves to temptation? Temptation that could ultimately capture us, bind us, hold us captive, that could keep us from the race that God intends us to run. And even change our trajectory. There is no advantage. So we said avoid potential pitfalls. Not just flee from temptation. But avoid the temptation. Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. And make not provision for the flesh. To fulfill the lust thereof. Avoid potential pitfalls. And then we come to the next one, where we left off this morning, and we'll finish up now. We have about three more to discuss and just talk about over these next few moments. We do have our communion, and I want to spend our time with that tonight as well. So let's go ahead and have a word of prayer, and then we'll kind of pick up where we left off, okay? And we'll see what God can teach us and help us with. Because I don't believe there's anyone in the room that genuinely, sincerely wants to, to backslide. If you have any desire to please Christ, any desire to honor Him with your life, you don't want to backslide. And someone says, well, that's a term used for Israel. Whatever. Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Father, we come to you. We thank you for all that you mean to us and all that you do for us. Thank you, Father, that we can make application in our life so many ways. Lord, your word is very clear. In what the goal that you have for us as believers is, and that's to continually add to our faith. If we fail to add to our faith, we are not growing as we ought to. And if we're not growing as we ought to, then we're not where we belong. Lord, we need to be on a trajectory headed high, climbing for you daily, consistently. Help us, Lord, not to find ourselves plateauing, ceasing to climb, but help us, Lord, to continue to move forward for you. We love you, we need you. In Christ's name, amen. So again, number one, if we're going to avoid backsliding, we said add to your faith. Number two, avoid potential pitfalls. Number three, align yourself with God and his word. Turn if you would to Proverbs chapter 8, verse 32. Align yourself with God and his word. Don't you love that word align I don't know why alignment. You know now I don't like to get alignments. They cost money. But boy, I like the word. I don't know why that word align. Align. It 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 you know, that word also has a tendency to kind of move your mind to allegiance. You align yourself with someone, you're in allegiance with them if you will. Align yourself with God and his word. Proverbs 8 verse 32. We're going to read through verse 36. Now therefore, hearken unto me, O ye children, for blessed are they that keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise, and refuse it not. Blessed is the man that heareth me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at my po- the post of my doors. For whoso findeth me, findeth life, and shall obtain favor of the Lord. But he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. All they that hate me love death. Now, I'll tell you what, that's a powerful, powerful few verses here. Now again, I, I look at this. I want you to note the promise that's given to each of us in that sense. I mean, the fact is, is in the passage we see here that there's something about obeying the Lord. When we obey the Lord, it always is in our best interest. Our own best interest. It's kind of like the Garden of Eden, isn't it? Sometimes, you know, I think Adam and Eve, if they weren't careful, especially Eve, got the idea somehow that God was withholding the best that he had. That he somehow was withholding the very best that was available. And Eve bought into the lies of Satan. He said, You could be like a God yourself, Eve. You could know good and evil. God's not good because if he was good, you'd have everything that he has to offer you. Everything that he could ever give you. Let me tell you something. God never gives you what you don't need. And what he does give you is always what's best. And the fact is is that in this case, he's telling us that we need to obey his word. In this case, hearken unto me. Blessed are they that keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise. Refuse it not. Why? Because everything that when we obey the Lord, everything that we're doing is going to benefit us. If we fail to obey God's Word, if we fail to align ourselves with Him and His Word, it is not in our best interest at all. It only brings hurt, heartache. It's an amazing thing. Young people, more than uh, ever it seems, as well as adults, sadly enough, have this idea that because they're Christians, they're missing out on something. They're just going to miss out on what the world has to offer. They're not going to have any fun at all. God is not trying to keep you from having fun. He's trying to keep you from death. He's trying to keep you from hurt and heartache. He's trying to spare you the, the, the horrors of sin and its consequences. And sadly enough, it's not just young people today. It's older people. I'm amazed, and I'm just going to say it, and you don't have to like it, but I'm going to tell you something. I I tell you what, it bothers the life out of me when, for whatever reason now, for whatever reason, a couple gets divorced, and all of a sudden, that man or that woman that was a Christian throws their Christianity out the window for another relationship with someone that's not even measuring up to the Word of God. That bothers me. If you're going to get divorced and you're going to say God led you in a direction, my friend, how's come, or how is it you can get rid of that book in your life? And you throw away your dating standards. You just go ahead and seem whoever you choose. You live your life however you like. You're promiscuous. You're immoral. And you say, well, you don't understand what I'm dealing with. No, you're a Christian first. Divorced or not, you, just because you've lived a life and you've experienced some things doesn't give you the right to dismiss God and his word. My friend, you're the one that's going to hurt because of that. You, your children, those around you, closest to you. What's he say in the passage? Because he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. I'm hurting nobody. You're hurting yourself if nobody else. You say, why'd you pick that topic? I have no idea. But maybe somebody needed it. And who knows, maybe somebody's going to go through that soon. I hope not around here. But you never know. Don't throw your Christianity away. Listen, God has reasons for what he does. He's not withholding joy. He's not withholding happiness. He's not trying to make you miserable. He's trying to protect you. Boy, I tell you, backsliding is a bad thing. And unless you align yourself with God and his word, you will find yourself plateauing very quickly and then you'll find yourself descending. You know, we can be blinded by Satan to believe once again that we're just missing out on things. And that's not true at all. That's not the case. God's not withholding things from us. Not at all. And if he is, it's only the bad things he's withholding. God's trying to extend the best that he has. He, the Bible, Jesus said that I'm, I'm to, here to give you or to, to grant you life more abundantly. Whatever happened to that? How's come we can't grasp that concept? How's come I'm just as prone as you are to forget that reality? And yet it's the devil that comes to Still and to kill and to destroy. But we need to get on board with God. We need to align our life. We need to lo- align our longings with God and His Word. What are we desire ought to align with God and His Word. We ought to want for ourselves what God wants for us. It's not enough to simply do right. You have to be right. This idea that, and again, I I say, listen, until you have the right convictions, until you have the right standards, my friend, go ahead and adopt mine for the time being. But my friend, let me tell you something. That'll not hold you over in difficult times. You're going to have to come to some conclusions on your own. You're going to have to get to the place where your heart beats with God's heartbeat. Why is it that so many of our teenagers struggle as they reach certain years in their life and they move on forward and some of them will choose maybe not to follow the Lord like they used to or maybe some of the adults that once were faithful in, in the fellowship at Community Baptists will not be here in a year or two from now. How or why or how does that even happen? I'll tell you why because this first was missing. This got disengaged. This is where the real problem began. In the heart And next thing you know, they're still going through the motions. They're still walking the walk, and they're talking the talk, but they're not feeling it and living it inside. See, this plateau doesn't have to be that you stop going to church. Backsliding doesn't mean you have to embrace immorality. But you could simply come to the place where you're not as engaged, where the preaching doesn't fire you up anymore, where the reading of the word of God doesn't provide you with any kind of insight any longer, where there's no thrill to be around the Lord Jesus Christ or his house or his people. You could be already on a plateau and not even know it because you're still doing the things that appear to be Christian. It's interesting in Corinthians chapter 3, 1 Corinthians 3, when you start talking about the judgment seat of Christ, he makes note, that it's what sort of works there are. Not just the works, but what sort they were. That's interesting, and that's important to understand. God's concerned about why you're doing what you're doing, not just what you're doing. Because, see, the why that you do what you do will ultimately either enable you to continue in that with the right spirit and attitude, or you'll get bitter, upset, upset, because somebody's not patting you on the back enough. You're not receiving what you actually are working for. and You'll find yourself more than backslidden. You'll find yourself fallen, as it says in Peter. Boy, you have to align yourself. I have to align myself with God and his word if I want to avoid backsliding. I have to identify the word of God and what it says and and what I'm to do and how I'm to do it and what I'm to think and how I'm to feel and I need to align myself with that. And when I don't feel like doing it the way God says, I just say, you know what, God, you're always right and I must be wrong right now, that's for sure. And although I don't feel the way I ought to, I'm gonna trust you for the time being and Lord, I'm gonna trust you to help me to do the right thing and then have the right feelings. Commit thy works to the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established, he says. We like to say, well, when my heart gets right, then I'll start doing right. The Bible says commit your works to the Lord. Then your thoughts will be established. It's a two-edged sword. Align yourself. Get on board. After a bad winter of freezing and thawing like we had this past year, the roads can become kind of like a minefield. You've been there, right? I think it was my dad just the other day said that they're driving down the road and they hit one of those potholes that still hasn't been taken care of and it blew their tire out. I mean, the tire is only, what, six months, eight months old? But that's the kind of roads we've got, right? I mean, craters, right? And you know what happens? When you hit holes like that sooner or later, what goes out? Your alignment does. And what that means is, is if you're driving down the road and you take your hands off the steering wheel, if your alignment's out, you'll start to veer right or left. I mean, that's probably, it could be a lot worse than that, I'm sure. But, I mean, you're veering right or left. You can't stay on the straight and narrow anymore. You need an alignment. You and I need to make sure that we're in alignment with God's Word. Our wants, our desires, and our behavior must mirror that of the Word of God if we wish to fly straight for God we want to continue traveling in the right direction, not veering off to the left or the right, not plateauing or not going off course. Number three, align yourself with God and His Word. Number four, accept responsibility. This is going to take a little different turn than maybe it sounds like. Accept responsibility. Turn to 1 Timothy 4, verse 12, please. I'm going mean, to, let me share this real quick. What, what if, how many, and don't raise your hands, please. I wonder how many parents in the room have wanted more for their children than their children wanted for themselves. I wonder how many people in the room today, no hands again, have wanted something more for a family member or a friend than they wanted for themselves. Now, here's what I'm going to say to you. I, I hope that you never get angry with your preacher if he wants more for you than you want for yourself. That's what I want to say to you tonight. Because there are times I get up here and I get to ranting and raving, and and, and, you know, honestly, maybe somebody might say, well, (laughs) that's totally outrageous, that's ridiculous, I can't believe that. uh, uh, uh. Please don't get angry with me. I honestly, the best I know how, want what I believe is best for you. So I, I'm not, I'm, listen, I'm not doing that to hurt anybody. I, I don't do those, say some things, because I'm trying to to to, to somehow, you know, shock value. I, I really, 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 really believe that sometimes, I'm going to say it, I feel sometimes I want more for people than they want for themselves. And you probably have felt that way too in certain situations. And so I'm just asking, don't get angry with me at any point, please, if you think I'm being hard in those areas because I honestly am convinced that I just want what's best. And if I'm wrong, God can fix me. He really can. He's big enough to do it. He's big enough to do it. Number four, accept responsibility. 1 Timothy 4.12. Again, the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy, his son in the faith, he says, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believer's, In word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. I think it's always interesting that he doesn't say, be an example to the believers. Don't you think that's interesting? He says, be an example of the believer. Be thou an example of. So what should a Christian be? Well, this is exactly what we need to be then. We need to be a believer, an example of what a believer ought to be in word, in conversation, that means actions as well, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Every last one of us ought to be that example of the believer. In our workplace, in our schools, may I beg you to be that in your home. One of the great tools that God uses to compel us to remain faithful is others. And that thought of others depending uh, depending on us, people looking up to us, whether it's an older brother or sister and a younger brother or sister looking up to them, whether it's a Sunday school teacher with a class of youngsters whether it's an adult leader that's teaching the classroom and and they're a Sunday school teacher there with the adults and they know that those folks are watching them, not just what they do, but their attitude, whether they have a smile on their face, whether they have a good spirit or not. When we realize that other people are depending on us, watching us, leaning on us, I believe that it can keep us from falling or backsliding. I think it's healthy. It's healthy. You don't want to put too much pressure on that person. Sometimes we need pressure. It makes us better and stronger. I'm not talking about putting somebody in positions of authority that hasn't proven themselves. I'm not talking about let's make them faithful by throwing them in a position. No, you're asking for trouble you do that. What about investing in others by leading them to Christ? What about investing in others as you teach and you disciple them? I promise you this, if you'll go out and win somebody and you'll begin to disciple them and try to say, now listen, let me tell you a little bit about the Christian life. Let me show you how the Christian life works. Let me tell you what the Bible says. Let me explain to you how God uses the Word of God in your life and how He uses the brothers and sisters in the church, how He uses the pastor and the people. I'm going to tell you something. You take a position like that in someone's life, you might start thinking about, am I plateauing? Because I got somebody that's dependent on me now. They're watching my life pretty close. Man, I can't take a chance on that. I better get in the word. Matter of fact, they might ask me a question this week. I better be prepared. They might have something really difficult. I'm gonna go ahead and do a little research. I'm gonna be ready when they ask me that one this week. It's amazing how responsibility has a tendency to heighten our awareness of things. To enable us to, or to to, to motivate us, to compel us to, to stay. In the game. See, responsibility demands commitment and sacrifice. And each of those things makes us better for the Lord. It makes us better. And while you may at some point feel like stepping down or quitting, I'm going to say this, be very careful with that. You might be surprised. It may not be a very far step to backsliding. I'm not saying. I've had conversations with people before, and they just were ready for a change of venue. They just really wanted to try out new ministry. They were ready to make a transition or a change, and I wasn't opposed to that. But they weren't backing off and quitting. They were simply changing some things. But when we've been teaching or we've been witnessing or we've been out trying to help other people and encourage others in the Christian faith, we've been discipling and winning others, and next thing you know, we're like, ah, you know, I'm done with that. My friend, you might be closer to backsliding than you ever dreamed. Because when there's no one depending on you, and your sphere of influence has shortened and gotten smaller, it's easier to slip. It's easier to slip. I watch that. I don't know if this is really all of it. I'm sure there's more to it. I watch how sometimes parents that had children in the home, they were walking the line as parents. They were living the life. They were doing it right. Their kids get older, leave the house. Now we're watching things that we would have never watched, listening to things we'd never listened to, going places doing things we'd have never done because the kids aren't around. Maybe you need a burden on your shoulders. Maybe you need somebody dependent on you again because you're not as strong when you don't have as much responsibility then. You need somebody dependent on you to live the Christian life right. And somebody says, well, they should be doing it just because they have the heart to do it. Eh, There's a lot of reasons we're motivated to live for God. I mean, if God can tell us that we're going to receive rewards one day and that's a means by which to motivate us to serve Him, Sometimes, I don't know if it's so bad if we said, hey, you've got to keep it straight. You better fly straight, Buster. you got a couple students in that Sunday school class depending on you. Accept responsibility. If you have no responsibility as a believer in your life right now, you could easily be plateaued. You might even be backsliding. You might find it extremely difficult to be climbing. And things are comfortable. I'm not saying they're uncomfortable. That's the problem. They may be too comfortable, and you're not growing anymore. How sad is it to hear somebody that's older say things like this? Well, I, I, I paid my dues. I paid my dues. I, I put the time in. I used to teach, and I used to win souls, and I used to go out and I used to, and I used to, and I used to, and I used to. And I used to now let the younger people do it. It's their time to do it. It's their time to work. It's time for me to relax. Hey, listen. You may not be able to do what you used to do, and that's a valid thing. Now let's face it. The knees start to give out. The ears, you can't hear. You can't see. The back starts to hurt. Balance isn't what it used to be. I'm not even go where the mind goes. I'm not even talk about that one. So those things are realities. I get that. But I watch some of the saints of God around here. Old, at least in the eyes of the young people. Not in mine, of course. I'm getting there. And they just don't quit. What a testimony that is. Still witnessing, still faithful, still consistent, still going at it. Man, I love that. Would be doing more if they could. But they just may not be able to. Just saying, if we're neglecting responsibility because, well, it's our time to relax. We're retiring not just from our jobs, we're retiring from Christianity. We're retiring from the war. It's time to get back in the battle, friend. Yeah. Except for some responsibility. Number five, and finally, assess and evaluate regularly. If we're going to avoid backsliding, then, one, we are going to have to add to our faith, avoid potential pitfalls, align ourselves with God and His word, accept responsibility and finally, assess and evaluate regularly. Second Corinthians chapter 13, verse five. Let's turn there, would you please? Second Corinthians chapter 13 verse five. If you were playing football for the Cleveland Browns tonight, and, 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 you know, right now everybody's riding high. You know, it's supposed to be a breakout season. We're going to, of course, go to the playoffs without a doubt. and We're going we're gonna to tear it up, light it up. We'll probably be in the AFC Championship and, who knows, make it to the Super Bowl even. And that's the kind of stuff you're hearing, right? Now, listen, I don't know if we are or aren't, but what I do know is this. If you were a member of the Cleveland Browns right now, and a guy by the name of Coach Freddie Kitchens, he's the coach. Let me ask you this. What level of commitment do you think Freddie Kitchens would expect from you if you were on the Cleveland Browns football team? Do you think he would, you'd say, you know what, Coach? i got a family. i got other responsibilities. I've got things to do. I, I'm going to give the team an 80% commitment. I'll be there 80%. I'm in all the way 80%. Let me ask you something. You think Coach Kitchens would be like, man, I'll tell you what, if we only had another 100 like you, you think he'd be like that? You think that'd be what Kitchens would say? Well, Coach, I'm going to give you 90%. I mean, 90 out of 100, Coach, that's an A most of the time, unless you're like old-fashioned, then it's a 94 But we're in the new time, so 90 at least. That's good. You got a grade on a curve, right, coach? I'll give you 90%. You think Freddie Kitchens would pat you on the back and say, man, I'll tell you what, wish I had 20 more like you. I don't think so. I think Freddie Kitchens would say, you ain't willing to give me 100%. There's a door, get out of here. That's what I think. Why is it when it comes to anything in the world, we're expected to give 100%. But when it comes to our faith and our Christianity, you should accept what, you, what I give you. We find all these reasons why less than 100 is good enough. Isn't that amazing how we do that? We justify that in our minds. Assess and evaluate regularly. I figured it'd take you a while to find 2 Corinthians 13, so I thought I'd throw that in. Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. I like that. Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. That sounds like assessing and evaluating regularly. See, a vibrant and a victorious victorious faith requires constant attention. It's not something that we do once in a lifetime. Well, I surrendered all. I even sang the song, Preacher. I did that 25 years ago. Well, that's good. What are you doing today? Are you still fully surrendered? Are you still given to Him 100%? Have you taken back anything you did give Him? Well, I don't know. I've not really thought much of it. I just kind of assumed I have, haven't. Uh, you better get to examining yourselves, whether you be in the faith, and prove your own selves. There's never a time when we can simply coast, as we mentioned. We have to ensure that our trajectory is correct and that we're climbing higher consistently. We've got to define what success is and ensure we're growing in faith and in our service toward God. See, how does consistent growth look? If you could draw a picture of consistent growth, what would it look like? If you could paint a picture of what consistent growth looks like in the Christian life, what would it look like? I mean, what elements could help us to better evaluate and ensure that our trajectory is correct? That it's ever climbing, going the right direction? Let's say that you and I, we all went bowling tonight. We make our way down there to the bowling alley and we pick out a bowling ball and if you're really good, you probably will bring your own. I hate people like you. <laughs> and so we go down there and you got your bowling ball. I've got mine and we see those pins all lined up down at the end of the, uh, of the, of the alley And uh, about the time I get ready to bowl or you step up beside me and I'm on this lane, you're on that lane, and a few of our friends are behind us and we step on up there and we get our balls and we look down the lane. All of a sudden, I start taking a few steps and as I take it and I reach the ball and I put this amazing spin. All of a sudden, a blanket or sheet falls down in front of the pins. And the ball rolls down there and goes right, I mean, into the sweet spot. Bam! I hear this crunching and cracking. I mean, it sounds to me like pins are flying everywhere. But I can't see a thing because that sheet's in front of those pins. The truth is, I'll never know how good I really did, right? Right? I'll never know whether I was successful or wasn't. The goal was to what? Knock down all ten pins. Get a strike. You rolled yours, and same thing happened. You heard a little couple clicks in the background. You just don't know. You're like, man, how many pins did I knock down? Come on, somebody get rid of that, 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 that piece of cloth up there. Remove it. Get rid of it. I want to know how I did. I want some feedback. There's a couple things that happen. If you if even continue to do that, the truth is, is that it would be impossible to tell how well or how bad you were doing. And number two, that you would ultimately get discouraged. You wouldn't feel like bowling much longer if you could never tell whether or not you were doing well or not. I mean, sooner or later, you're like, this is stupid. I don't even know how many pins I'm knocking down. All I know is I'm going away with my hip, a hip pointer and my elbows hurting and my fingers are getting raw. You know, that's how we live our Christian lives sometimes. It's like we're at a bowling alley and we're throwing the ball down the alley, but we never know exactly how we're doing. We got to lift the veil. We got to be able to literally gauge our success. We have to be able to, to, to put something concrete down that will enable us to, 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 to evaluate and assess. Progress in our Christian life. I mean, let me give you just a couple very basic things. One, do you have a reading schedule? Sometimes it's helpful to have a reading schedule. I'm not saying you always have to, I'm just saying it can be helpful. What about a memory list? Do you, do you have a list of memory verses that you are planning on memorizing and maybe you have them on a calendar and you can at some point go back a month later or two months later or a quarter through the year and say, you know what, I had a goal of of memorizing 26 verses this year and and I'm halfway through the year and I'm only at eight. Well, I'm not growing like I want to. I'm not really getting what I wanted. I wanted to learn and memorize more of the scriptures. You say, yeah, but that's, that's, I like when it's more... Spontaneity. I like spontaneity. Well, spontaneity don't pay bills. Consistency does. Yeah. Now, it's always fun to just do something on a whim, but let me tell you something. If you're just memorizing scripture when you feel like it, you ain't doing much of it. And, and, and honestly, I'm just saying things like that. What about the books you've read? Don't don't you do you have any kind of goals about Christian books, books maybe out of our bookstore that would about the Christian life or maybe their biographies or some kind of book that will help to Impact your Christian life positively; that it will inspire you to live better for God, to to maintain a proper trajectory. Trajectory, excuse me. What about a prayer journal? Do Do you do you write down prayers that you have? Are you able to gauge whether or not your prayers are being answered? Those are all things that are concrete, things that you can look at that will help you to assess and evaluate your progress in your Christian life. Listen, if we don't see prayers being answered in our Christian life, what are we to assume? It should be a warning sign to us. Either one, God has chosen to withhold his His blessings for the time being because he believes and knows that we're able to deal with it. He trusts us. Or maybe he's withholding because we're not in a position to receive them spiritually what about giving goals or soul goals or or discipling goals or growth in our class or growth on our buses and different things that we can see concrete let's let's raise up that sheet that's in front of those pins let's start coming up with some kind of concrete means by which to evaluate and assess our progress as christians To ensure that we're actually making progress. That we're really moving forward. That we're accomplishing something spiritual in our lives. Too many times we're just rolling balls down the alley. Never once understanding or knowing even how we're doing. I just want to encourage you to assess and evaluate regularly. How do you avoid backsliding? Well, I'm sure we could go on and on and on. But we just noted five things. Add to your faith. Avoid potential pitfalls. Align yourself with God and His Word. Accept responsibility and assess and evaluate regularly. Just some things that we can do to avoid backsliding in our lives. Again, I don't know where you're at. You do. I see the best that you have to offer. I see you come to church looking wonderfully. I see you putting a smile on your face for the most part I would be lying if I said everybody was smiling but you put a smile on your face for the most part you extend a hand of fellowship you give the appearance that your life for Christ is right where it ought to be But you and I both know that the truth doesn't necessarily manifest itself within the walls or doors of this building The real truth is found outside these walls. You can walk out to my car today and you can look at it and the truth is you don't know whether the gas tank is full or empty by looking at my car. You want to know the truth? You can't look at my life and tell whether I'm really a good Christian or not by the way I look today. And here's the point, I can't tell whether you are. Tonight, God knows, though, doesn't he? Maybe God would have you do business tonight. Before we take communion, before we thank the Lord for his broken body and his shed blood, maybe we ought to get a few things straight and get them right. Maybe we ought to make sure that we're on the right trajectory. We're not on a plane of plateau here. We're not going backwards even. We're literally moving forward. The wonderful thing about the Lord is this. I don't care how deep or how quickly you are descending tonight, if indeed you are, and I'm not saying you are. That quickly, you can change your trajectory by confessing your sin, forsaking your sin, and God will put you on the right plateau and plane. Not plateau, excuse me the right plane, the right trajectory. Let's settle that tonight. Let's get it right. Let's not leave here pretending. Let's leave here being sincere and genuine. Father, we come to you. Thank you again for this time we've had together. Bless us now, we pray. May you help us, Lord, as we even now begin to prepare ourselves for this communion service. Again, Lord, as believers, may we Realize how serious it is, this thing called the Christian life. May we recognize the requirement, the the absolute necessity to give 100% to it. If a football player is expected and will give 100% to a game, may you help us, Lord, to not give you anything less to life eternal and to you, the creator of the universe. We love you. We thank you and we ask for your leadership tonight in Christ's name.